right. Well, we're going to continue on in our um, series we're calling Who Do You Think You Are? And in this series, we've been talking about our identity in Christ. And uh, so far, we've, we've said, you know what, we are chosen and what that means, we're loved, that we're to be reflecting that love uh, as ambassadors of Christ, uh, that we're citizens of heaven. And today, what I want to do is I want to take some time to start talking about uh, the attitudes of our identity and what that looks like and how important they are. And so that's the intro. That's what we're going to be heading into. Bad joke time. Uh, I can always tell just by looking when someone is lying. I can also tell when they're standing. No? Okay, okay. I don't know if you read about this, but a semi-trailer filled with ramen noodles, jackknifed on the highway, destroying all the contents. Damage was estimated at nearly $14. That's pretty funny. Ramen. An architect friend of mine made millions by inventing the upside-down house. It's a top seller. Okay. I, I know I had to get rid of the other one, but that's okay. Scripture reading here on purpose. Matthew 5. Top seller? Upside down house? Really? Nothing? Thank you. Oh, okay. The explanation helped. <laughs> it's a pity laugh. Yeah, I'll take it. Matthew 5, 1 through 12. Now, when he saw the crowds... He went up on a mountainside and sat down. This is Jesus. And his disciples came to him. And he began to teach them, saying, Blessed uh, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called sons of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad, because great is your reward in heaven. For in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Blessed be the word of the Lord. So as I said, we've been talking about our identity in Christ. You know, we're new creatures, uh, chosen, loved ambassadors, sins of heaven. Uh, and here's an amazing thing, I think, is that this is uh, the question to think about and ponder over these next week is, is how do you prove who we are? So we're talking about our identity. We're talking about who we are. How do we prove who we are? And it's fascinating because Jesus gives us the insight in John thirteen thirty five. Write that down. It's not in your notes. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. So all of these things that we're talking about in who we are, the way that we demonstrate that, the way that we prove that to the world around us, if you would, the way that it shows itself is how well we love one another. And that's at the bottom line of all this. Not how well we follow rules, not how well we we are performing. It's not any of those things. It's ultimately all about loving well, loving extravagantly the way that God does. And the passage of Scripture we just read is known as the Beatitudes, and the Beatitudes will really help us in loving well. 
And so that's point number one in your notes, uh, is the Beatitudes. So Matthew chapter 5, chapter 6, chapter 7, is um, uh, those three chapters are known as the Sermon on the Mount. Perhaps the most famous sermon of all time, Jesus uh, preached this sermon, and it begins with a set of blessings that we call the Beatitudes. It's ten verses long, and the word blessed is repeated nine times. And if you sort of recognize the last uh, two blessings as one, because both describe the suffering, often uh, it comes with the persecution that comes with trying to live out the gospel, um, what we find is there's eight of these Beatitudes in that passage of Scripture. And each one of these Beatitudes is something that we need to be thinking about and praying about and considering and reflecting on in our own lives as we continue on in this, this progress of this journey. You know, we, we say that we've been justified, right? I, I will repeat certain things I want you to know. And you're justified. When you come to know Christ, you're justified. Just as if we'd never sinned. God, seeing us now in the perfection of His Son, it's, it's perhaps the most amazing thing that we will ever comprehend. Along with that, the Holy Spirit comes and dwells in us, and we are being sanctified. We're in the process of sanctification. Justification, sanctification. This process continues until we're with Jesus. Either He's come for us or we've got to be with Him when we'll be glorified, which means everything is, is the way it should be. But uh, in the meantime, God is already dealing with us as if we'd never sinned because we're justified, and the Holy Spirit is working in us. We're being sanctified, and it's all about yielding to Him in this process. So these attitudes that we're talking about are the attitudes that are developed in us as we yield to the Holy Spirit. You, you can't manufacture these in your own strength. They come from yielding to the Holy Spirit in our lives. So they're very important for us to consider pretty regularly in the process. So as we look at them, and they start with this word blessed, and, and what does it mean to be blessed? So in, in some translations, when you, when you read the Scripture, uh, the, the Beatitudes actually start, are happy. They, they translated the word happy. But, but really, that, that, that misses the point. It's, it's in there, but it's, it's not what was really going on uh, in this journey. And what the word really means, it's, it's something on the, on the lines of being on the right path or on the way that God wants us to go. It's actually an opposite to um, the word for sin, which is going our own way or losing our way. And so to be blessed means to be that we're, we're on the path that God has for us. We're on the right path. In effect, we're, we're living, trying to do the next right thing. That's what this whole process means. That's, that's what it means to be blessed. We're, we're walking in the way that He would have us walk, and we're experiencing life in that matter. But these qualities that we're going to look at are, are, as I said, they're, they're developed in us by the Holy Spirit as we're constantly yielding to Him on this journey, trying to do the next right thing. And they're really a, an amazing description of how a citizen of heaven, citizen of the kingdom, that's us, um, should be attempting to live. These are the things that sort of should be developed and be showing in us on the process. So we're going to take some time over the next weeks, and we're going to work through them together. We're going to start today with the very first one, Matthew 5, 3. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Now, it's a, all these Beatitudes are interesting in the way they sound because they, they seem to sound um, like they, that, that seems contradictory. What do you mean, poor in spirit? 
or there's a, what does it mean? Happy are those who are on the right path or those that are poor in spirit? That, I thought we were filled with the Spirit. What does all this mean? So we need to talk about it and what's going on there. So that's point number two. So what does it mean to be poor in spirit? And what it means is that we're aware of our desperate need for God's mercy and grace. It's being fully and totally aware that we cannot save ourselves, that in effect we are helpless and defenseless on our own strength. Um, We are powerless, and that our performance cannot earn God's favor. It's, It's the realization that the Holy Spirit is working in us as we yield to Him to empty our hearts of self so that they can be filled by Jesus. That's what's taking place in this whole process. And the foundation is laid with this first beatitude. And the beatitudes are fascinating. They build on each other. So you you can't jump into number five without getting the the first ones in there. I I hate to use the words like steps because people think then it's a, you know, it's a, oh, they don't get it. But it's a process. It's the process of sanctification uh, is, is and and that we really um, have to allow the Spirit of God to show us and work in us this first one, then the other ones make more sense. I would also suggest that why we have to keep coming back and looking at them is that it becomes, uh, over the course of our lives, you have to come back to it. I think you, you empty yourself of self a little more as you continue to yield in the process. So you, you might get a good jump on it, but um, I'm constantly finding myself full of myself. Does that ever happen to anybody else? Does it, and it kind of sneaks up on you. I was just back there. You know, last week I said I, I, was, I, I still get snarky sometimes, and, and, and I had an instance that happened right before church that made me realize it. But even, even earlier this evening, I'm sitting back there, and I'm realizing that I got a little bit of snark coming up out of me. And I said something. I've got, I've got to go up and talk about being poor in the Spirit. And uh, I'm just filled with myself right now. And so it's a, it's a process that we're doing. And, and what we have to do is, is, and I think that here's what I think happens, which is great, is that you become more aware of it over time. I just think you catch yourself, which is such a blessing. When you start catching yourself being snarky and sarcastic, the quicker you catch yourself, the, the more of it is of a, just a realization of, hey, what are you, where are you at right now? You know, what's going on? You're not listening to me. You know, the, the, the Spirit just kind of gets our attention. And I, I love the fact that He's in this with us, you know, and He's leading us and teaching us and guiding us. He's real, he's, and He's a part of this journey with us in a, in a very real and intimate way. And He wants our attention, and He wants us to learn to, to yield and, and to be listening and to be, uh, you know, connecting with Him. Otherwise, we slip into that whole rule thing and uh, we think that's easier and we, we miss the entire part of this journey. So we're constantly realizing, I think, our desperate need um, for God and, and for God alone and that that's what this is all about and, and it starts everything. And so I would say not only does it start your journey, but it keeps, you keep coming back to it. I think God in His mercy keeps bringing us back here. So we get back to that place, hey, we haven't arrived. We haven't got this all figured out. There's... There's still a long way to go. Who do you think you are? I guess I love that title because we can use that in so many different ways. So there's this great parable, Luke 8, 9 to 18, 9 through 14, that Jesus teaches. Uh, and uh, Jesus said this, To some who were confident in their own righteousness and looked down on everybody else, Jesus told this parable. 
Two men went up to the temple to pray. One a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. The Pharisee stood up and prayed about himself. God, I thank you that I am not like other men, robbers, evildoers, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. I always get a... They're both standing there. You, you ever think that the tax is like, I can hear you? I always have that thought in my brain, so I have to get that out of there. Okay. I fast twice a week. I give a tenth of all I get. But the tax collector stands at a distance. He wouldn't even look up to heaven. But he beat his breast and said, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. And I tell you that this man, rather than the other, went home justified before God. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, and he who humbles himself will be exalted. This is such an incredible parable on the grace of God and of who He is and, and uh, uh, you know, what it means to be a citizen of the kingdom. The kingdom is not about self-righteousness. It's, it's about people who realize their brokenness and their desperate need for God. And I think it brings up some questions in us that, that we need to ponder uh, all the time in this whole thing. Like, Here's a, here's a great question in this attitude. I think it's very helpful. It's helpful to me. Is it more important for you to be right or to be kind? And I just think it's something that we have to think about. Because we, I, I shouldn't speak generally. I like to be right, um, but not at the expense of being kind to others. So It's okay for me to f- feel like... So the other question is, is your opinion more important than loving someone well? And, you know, I start to, and I constantly have to think about those things on my, my journey. The, the attitude that Jesus recognized as being the correct one in that parable was, God have mercy on me, a sinner. Those are the words of somebody who gets their total reliance on Jesus for everything. And, and so it's not, hey, I've been walking this thing out for a long time now. I got it all figured out. It's, God, I, I'm so many years into this, but I realize more today than ever before how desperately I need you. I'm 33 years into this journey, and I, I need you more now than when I started. I mean, I need you desperately. I, I, I catch myself, you know, getting off so quickly, and uh, I'm glad that I catch myself, but those things happen. That made me, so I've been doing this thing a long time. Alice and I, We've been, uh, we've been married almost 36 years now. So we've been together a long time. And uh, we got married. She was uh, four and I was six. But anyway, one of the prearranged things, it's all, it's history now, so we don't have to go there. Anyway, because uh, <laughs> I'm old. It's okay. I'm not, you know, I'm not all that. I say sometimes I'm old. I, but, but the other day, here's something. And I, there's a certain age where this happens. I went in uh, fr- Friday morning. Last night, we, our power was off at the house from 11.15 till 7 o'clock this morning. So it was a miserable night. We lived down a Cudgel. Just no electricity. I was having hurricane flashbacks, and uh, we weren't sleeping. There's no electricity. Anyway, so that was going on. But the night before, um, we always get, I get up very early in the morning. I'm an early riser. I go to bed pretty early, but I'm up usually at 4 in the morning. I have my devotions, and I, I hang out with the Lord and do whatever. And then at around 7, Alice gets up. And we always have coffee, and it's pretty much like a clockwork thing. We sit on the patio, and we have coffee, and, and uh, we connect. And so, you know, I, I did my thing, and about 7, I, I got up and had a coffee, and I went out on the patio, and Alice didn't come out. And Alice didn't come out, and it got a little late. And I, I went in at 7.20 to check, and I, so you, there's a certain point in your life. I, I went in to check, honestly, to see if she was still breathing. 
But she does that to me now, too. You're not up at a usual time. What's, it's something wrong. So there's an age maybe where that even becomes in your realm of possibilities. I don't know. Maybe it's just not so bulletproof. Now people are like, what? Anyway, I didn't know. She was. She was fine. She got up about 20 minutes later. Um, I'm way off track now. I don't know how I got down that bunny trail. I'm going to work my way back. Just being old. You're imp- oh, so I, it's just a, a realization of how desperately I need the Lord. I think I'm more aware of it now than I've ever been. And you would think that, that it would be, oh, you've walked it out doing this thing. and you, that's, I need him so desperately. I had this, uh, I, I was telling Alice's at coffee. I'm not sure how the, this story works in, but it works into this series, Who Do You Think You Are? Some years ago, a young man came to church, and uh, uh, by his own admission to me, he was a meth addict, and he was trying to get it right. He was living in the woods, but he, he wanted to get together, and, and I said, okay, I'd love to help you. And uh, you know, he came here because we, we loved on him. He, he came a couple of times, and uh, he was, I think he was trying, and we were feeding him and loving on him and talking to him, and he asked me for a Bible. Sure, I get you, but I always have Bibles here for folks. I went and got him a nice, we have nice Bibles too, you know, they're in a case. I think it's important to have a nice Bible. I gave him the Bible, and he opened it. He goes, oh, this is an NIV. <laughs> I only read the King James Version, and if you use this Bible, I can't come to church here. Now, here's where I, I, I had to step back because this is what I was thinking. Dude, you're a meth addict living in the woods. <laughs> and you're judging me on my translation of the Bible. And I was like, I was so shocked, I didn't know how to, how to respond. And I was running through these minds like, I can't hardly believe it. And he literally gave me a hand and back the Bible, turned around and walked off, and I never saw him again. And I didn't know, well, was he sticking to his convictions or what? But, you know, you've got to think, really? You're in the woods? I, I, I don't get it. Uh, you know, so that who do, you th- who do you think you are? And then I'm like, who do I think I am? And the whole thing was just this big deal. But you see how messed up we can get on, on silly things and opinions that, that are so far off the, what really matters. You know, I, I would just, I, I hope that he found a spot where he was able to connect and stay connected to the Lord and, and is walking that path. But, but you know, Jesus said that the, the words that he said are the, the ones we have to reflect. God, have mercy on me, a sinner. Don't ever let me think I've got this thing so worked out that I don't have to take into account anybody else and to get off so sidetracked. So, third, why are the poor in spirit blessed? Because it's what he says. And see, the the world teaches us all about self-reliance and self-confidence. But Jesus says we're blessed when we realize that we're incapable of uh, gaining the approval of God in our own. And when we look at ourselves and and recognize that we've fallen short of the standard, uh, uh, and that absolutely, you know, no amount of effort could we ever gain God's approval. He says, then you're blessed. Isaiah 61, verses 1 through 3. And Jesus would quote this uh, when he takes up his ministry. And he said, The Spirit of the Sovereign Lord is on me, because the Lord has anointed me to preach good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for the captives, and release from darkness for the prisoners, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor, and the day of the vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn, 
and provide for those who grieve in Zion, to bestow on them a crown of beauty instead of ashes, the oil of gladness instead of mourning, and a garment of praise instead of a spirit of despair. They will be called oaks of righteousness, a planting of the Lord for the display of His splendor. See, the poor in spirit are blessed. We're blessed when we realize our desperate need for God um, because that's what sort of helps us and makes our entrance into the kingdom of heaven. That's, that's the way in. We can't do it in our own strength. We're, we're desperate for God and we get that. And what comes from that then is our, our entrance into the kingdom of heaven. It's, it's that um, it's only through our constant need for God that that access is possible now and forever. It's not our works. It's not our performance. Um, we are not now nor ever will be good enough in our own strength. It's only in Christ that we have access to Him and to the kingdom. And, and so the awareness of that should really go a long way in keeping us from becoming self-righteous, always remembering that we're, we're broken and need Jesus and that that's the course of our lives and always will be. Uh, and so we come to Jesus. We, when we come, we, we really come with, with empty hands. We have nothing to offer. We, we hold out our empty hands to Him, and then He fills them with His grace and His knowledge and that he, he loves us and that we're deeply loved children. He fills us with His Spirit as we yield to Him, and, and He develops us as citizens of the kingdom. See, that's, that's the heart of all of this, and that's what's so important in grasping in this first attitude. It's this first attitude that we have to get a hold of. As part of our identity. It's the one that really we build on so that we love others well, which is how we, we really prove our identity in Christ and, and so that we know that that's going on. So really kind of consider this one this week, and we'll be building on it in the weeks ahead and what it means to be poor in spirit and, and knowing that, that, that knowing that is how we're blessed in Him and uh, that, that ours is indeed the kingdom of heaven in Christ. So that's where we're going to end it. Oops. That was my timer. That was pretty good. That went off the moment I said we're going to end it, right? Thank you very much. And uh, even with the bunny trail, so uh, which went nowhere, <laughs> which we're going to make sure we don't go back down tomorrow. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for your amazing love for us and your goodness to us. You've got to help us to take it in to yield to your spirit, to be people who, who are constantly aware of their desperate need for you. You are an awesome God, and we love you so much. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. We're gonna move